0: All right, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm very excited about today's episode. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully going to be very solution focused. Um, But yeah, I haven't been uh, caught up with Jason since the old show that we used to do, Truthzilla. So this will be great. Um, Real quick, though, before we get too far into it, I just want to show you how you can follow and support the show real, real quick. Um, So if you would head over to Rebunk.news, that's the main website. That's where you're going to find all the ways. Oops, let's see. Let's try doing this. There it is. Uh, That's where you're going to find all the ways to follow and support the show. Make sure you sign up for the email list. That way I can email you anytime we go live or we have any announcements or anything like that. Um, You'll see affiliate links at the top, um, including uh, Richard Grove's autonomy course, TRS Heavy Metal Detox. There's a link to the Give, Send, Go, which is kind of just the tip jar. You know what I'm saying? If you get any value out of the show. And then, of course, the T-shirt shop, which I'll show you in just a sec. Um, Again, any value for value donations there. All the social media, t.me forward slash Rebunk News is the best place to follow along. Stay up to date. I'm in there chatting all day long and then the video platforms and also make sure you're subscribed uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Rebunked and it should pop right up uh, real quick again at the the I haven't promote, promoted this in a while because we've been talking about other stuff. But uh, so the T-shirt shop Rebunked forward slash shirts. Get in there. We got censorship kills. It literally does. And we'll probably talk to Jason quite a bit about that today. The idea of censorship and where we're at and where he sees you know, the nature of censorship these days. Uh, but I mean, it does censorship kills, you know what I mean? People were not given the proper uh, information on so many different topics and they make uh, pr- uh, choices that are not fully informed. And that leads to a lot of tragic outcomes. So uh, then of course the famous, are you threatening me? Gadsden flag Beavis shirt. That's been by far uh, the one that you guys like the most apparently. So uh, get yours over at rebunk. forward slash shirts or just uh, find a link at the main rebunk.news website. There's a link right there at the top. All right. So without any further ado, let me bring in uh, my friend, Jason Bassler, who is the uh, co-founder of the free thought project, uh, police, the police. And if you guys haven't checked out uh, the free thought project podcast, Oh my gosh, Jason, what's going on, man?
1: What's up brother. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. So, um, yeah, the podcast is just on fire. I how you just had Ron Paul on. How was that?
1: Thanks, brother. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel like we've been having a lot of great guests. In fact, I'd love to have you on someday. Sure. Uh, but yeah, the Ron Paul show, the episode went well. You know, unfortunately, he only had about 20 minutes. He, sure. He's getting up there. He's like 87 yeah. now, you know, so the people that surround him kind of limit some of his uh, interview time. So, yeah. but, you know, we got... A sweet 27 minutes, you know, we pulled from the good doctor and it went well. You know, we uh, covered a few uh, current topics, including Ukraine, uh, NATO, the de dollarization. So, uh, definitely, you know, I definitely suggest and recommend that any of your listeners check out our our podcast. We even had Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, Lark and Rose. We've been trying to just bring in as many awesome guests as we can and we've wrangled quite a few so yeah
0: it's a great show I listen to it you know fairly often you're a great interviewer uh, I think you were made for it for sure so uh, say you, just, just keep up the amazing amazing work um and you know so what I love about the free thought project is that uh you know what's well, a great form of imp- great source of information your guys' story is just fascinating and I know we talked about it on the show that I used to do when we had you on but I'd love to kind of recap I'd love to hear some updates about where you're at with all that. Cause last time we talked, I mean, that was like 2021. Like, you know, you, you were under in the midst of some pretty heavy, serious censorship attacks, all that stuff. Um, your story is so fascinating, but also what I love the most about it is that like so many people probably are aware of the free thought project without even knowing that they're aware of the free thought project, because you guys have had such a huge impact on culture and just the alternative conversation with your memes. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's been just like, like, before I even knew you about you as an individual or like, oh yeah, the free thought project, I guess that's a legitimate source of news. Like I've seen hundreds of dozens of your memes, at least, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so you guys have had such a huge impact on the conversation in general. So uh, you know, big kudos and big props to that I've shared so many of your memes, man. It's just like, you guys just <laughs> nail it. You nail it. So thank you, man. Yeah. 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 So why don't we start on just uh, give us a little bit of background give us a little bit of your background and how um, the free thought project came to be.
1: We'll ah ahead. yes yes no problem the origin story one i'm I'm familiar with yeah. I shared this a few times and my apologies to anybody who's having to hear me repeat some of this yeah. stuff but uh yeah my story started uh roughly back in around 2011 or so that's I guess when you could say I had like the wake-up period uh I was doing stuff before then I grew up in the bay area it was kind of like this counter culture punk rock kind of skater kid kind of thing and uh, it certainly influenced, you know, my my outlook on the world, my worldviews, and um, I, I was doing some stuff. I didn't really have a grasp of my own ideology. I didn't really understand like what I was, who I was, my principles. So, uh, yeah, around 2011, that all changed during the Occupy Wall Street movement. Um, some people might not even be familiar with that anymore. You know, so much time has passed now. But that was basically this organic uh, movement and, and protest. Uh, very much along the lines of what it says at Occupy. It was about occupying certain spaces, um, at certain even ideas at, at some point to uh, try to push out some of these banker conglomerates, some of these corporations yeah. that seem to be controlling our lives in, in detrimental ways. And uh, it had a, a very organic grassroots start to it. Unfortunately, by the end of it, uh, about six months after six to eight months after it started, it kind of got a co-opted by some of the uh, the major players, if you will. So, yeah. um, But that's what started. That's what more or less got me interested in all this stuff. And that was right around the time that the iPad had just came out and I had an iPad, at brand new technology. I'm a technology guy. And I realized, hey, like in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. So why in the hell am I still sitting here? I have no idea what the difference is between a Democrat and Republican. So... I just opened my brain and tried to do as much research, tried to learn as much as I could. I was a sponge. I was absorbing. I was reading, I was watching videos. And I saw this one video about this guy named Ron Paul and it didn't, I'd seen Ron Paul's name around, you know, but I didn't really know who he was, what he was about. And uh, it basically motivated me to learn about libertarianism, to learn about non-aggression, um, you know, it was anti-war, sound money, economics, uh, all these things, property rights. That's an important one. Mm-hmm. And once I started to do that, I, I realized that, hey, like, I don't think I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I think I'm a libertarian and maybe even an anarchist, you know. So I eventually, after about six to eight months, realized if I to be ideology, ideologically consistent, logically consistent, morally consistent, I was an anarchist. And about, she's I don't know, a year after that or so, I started Police the Police, which is my police accountability foundation uh, organization, excuse me, and uh, more or less just focuses on um, police accountability, police brutality, abuse of power, police misconduct, and primarily just like an online organization. But I was really fed up and kind of overwhelmed saying all these crazy police brutality stories all the time. So I wanted a place to to document and archive them. And that's when I started Police the Police. And geez, maybe a few months after that, I met Matt Agarist, my mm-hmm. now business partner slash editor in chief for the Free Thought Project. And in what, October of 2013, uh, we started the Free Thought Project. And it's been quite a journey since then, man. I, I know you already kind of alluded to it, mm-hmm. Uh, But we got hit pretty hard with the censorship stick, uh, geez, about five years ago now. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to rebuild since then. But before that, uh, we were reaching big numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, we were uh, influencing a lot of people with a lot of freedom oriented information, a lot of accountability information. And uh, we were highly successful. We even had a team of, Uh, Seven writers, three social media team members, and all that changed in a matter of a click when Facebook and Twitter both took us down on the same day.
0: Yeah, that's brutal, man. And, you know, uh, I look to your story in a lot of different ways and have taken, like, account of that. And, you know, these are things that we can learn from. You know, I've kind of migrated... Part of like what I do now is I like help other content creators like with their Substack basically. Like I'm now like you know, kind of like a manager of people's Substack pages, and that's a revenue stream and it can turn into a pretty substantial revenue stream, you know. But then if that's your only revenue stream, if that's like your only, like, your, if all your eggs are in that basket, I was just having this conversation with a friend today, you know, literally just one click, they can decide to turn that off, you know. And then yeah. even though like Substack seems like they're ideologically aligned with, with the things we talk about or the things that, you know, we're all about literally that could change overnight. And even yeah. just like in the last week, there's been a rift between Twitter and Substack. And so it's like, you know, you're, we're looking at this stuff and being like, man, and so it's like diversify, like, it's important to build your own, like build your own alternatives, build your own stuff, like independent. So that's what I, I was kind of curious to hear, you know, now, since, you know, since we last talked, how have you uh, built out your resiliency on your own, like without having to rely on like, uh, you know, having all your eggs in one basket that can be just turned off like overnight. You know what I mean? Like what are your guys' thoughts or strategies around that?
1: Yeah. And you make a great point, Scott. And that's exactly what we did. You know, in that time in 2017, 2018, it would be almost crazy to not be on Facebook and utilizing Facebook because Mm -hmm. it gave so much reach. So, we did unfortunately put all of our eggs in one basket. We did diversify a little bit. We had, I think maybe about 14,000 followers on Twitter when they took us down uh, and maybe a couple other small social media accounts. But now that's the focus. Now the focus is building across the board, whether it be a video platform, whether it be some of these smaller alt media platforms. And look, I'm even wearing my sovereign, yep, sovereign. right now.
0: That's awesome. Which
1: is Ben Swan's uh, newer, it's, I think it's been around for probably about a year and a half now, social media platform. And uh, it's starting to catch some momentum over there, but that's exactly it. And that's an, the, the important thing to do is to not just stay focused on one. And I know that's people's tendency. And I know it's easier because you get really comfortable in just one social media setting. But guys, I'm telling you as a survivor of the censorship wars and being a meme war veteran myself, this is something that we have to do, okay guys? So take the time, start a new account whether it be on Telegram, whether it be on Gab, whatever. At least you have a little bit of a following built up when they do deplatform you and take you down. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen a little bit of back and forth with you know, Elon buying Twitter and some of the other social media platforms kind of acquiescing and starting to lighten up just a hair on some of the moderation. But even still, I mean, we're in the info wars right now. This is mm-hmm. the new fifth generation warfare. So we have to be prepared, we have to be mindful. And as you mentioned, you know, we can't just be reliant on not just the social media platforms, but even just one form of revenue. So Mm -hmm. if this is going to be something that you choose to do as a career path, you definitely have to change it up and think about how you're going to make money in different ways. Unfortunately, the ad revenue market is basically dead. Mm. Uh, At one point, it it used to be able to yield a little bit of uh, financial benefits but unfortunately these days i think it's something around the number like 48 to 50% of the ad revenue world is actually owned by google google and meta now so don't even think, i mean wow. you're not going to make money you're going to make pennies now you still can monetize through certain platforms uh video platforms uh if you want to walk on eggshells you know you could certainly try youtube um but there's others you know there's others that you could reach out to and uh, i think you have to have a little bit of a following but you can make money through that and just recently uh, matt and myself have decided to try to branch away from social media altogether and we're about ah god i keep saying this but about a week or two away from releasing a children's book nice. teaching kids all about how to uh, interpret and understand their own rights it's called little free thinkers know your rights oh. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we're going to make it into a little series here, the little, little free thinkers, and we'll have a, a, maybe five, six different books on different topics. But of course, you know, being somebody who's been in the police accountability world for as long as I have, we had to start off with, you know, teaching kids their rights first and foremost. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be similar to the Tuttle twins, but a little bit more libertarian anarchist flavored.
0: Dude. I love that. That's amazing. So congratulations. And yeah, so, uh, You know i know that uh fatherhood has been a very consuming thing for you as we try to schedule interviews here the last couple months so yeah dude i mean congratulations on all that too man Um, you know i mean that's how we're gonna you know we're not gonna win this war in our lifetime probably you know what i mean like this is going to be something that we have to set the stage for by uh you know helping the next generation of kids like really be resilient and teaching them some of these core principles and from a young age and keep them uh you know out, out away from the public school system that, that got us to this place in the first place. So yeah, absolutely. Brother. Yeah. 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 That's, that's amazing. Well, when, once that comes out, send me that information and I'll make sure that, uh you know, my audience is aware of that uh, whole do, as well. So that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So what do you think is the current state of all the censorship. Like you talked about it a little bit there, you know, Elon comes in, things have the appearance of being a little more free. Like, do you think we're being set up? Do you think this is a, uh, do you think that there's a genuine shift in the overall consciousness? Uh, what, what do you, what, what do you take of all this? Cause you're on the front lines and you see a lot, probably a much higher, like 35,000 foot view than many of us <laughs> do. So. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's safe to say that Elon certainly shook things up by buying Twitter and he's more or less overhauled, you know, the entire Twitter staff, a lot of their moderation policies and just the way that the company functions in general. I mean, I'm sure you saw that he had somebody out there painting over the W on the Twitter sign. So it's just titter now. Uh, So uh, yeah, I didn't see that. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. I think he's just a master troll and I think that's what it comes down to. And I, I think that's one thing that we actually have on our side, you know, and there are some things about Elon that we need, we should be concerned about. And I'm not going to say that he's going to be our, our free speech savior. But as I said, he has shaken things up, you know, and it has kind of turned the, the the world of social media moderation on its head. So I've noticed that Facebook and Instagram now has lightened up on their strikes, like how, how much they're actually giving their strikes. Now they're not actually... Re- repealing anything you can't mm-hmm. still like okay so I just bought the the meta verified I don't know if you heard about this but no. meta just recently took a page out of Twitter's book right so you mm-hmm. could actually buy a blue check mark now on
0: Facebook or on Instagram. Oh really and
1: yeah so now you know the, you know that's
0: are- funny that's funny when I was setting up the show today I was like I, I did pull up all your contacts through your Instagram and I'm like ooh Jason's got a blue check mark like I didn't you know <laughs> I'll be honest with you you know you know what my thinking yeah. was it's kind of funny. You might get a kick out of that. So I was like, you know, I bet you it's all that uh, police uh, accountability stuff, you know, because, you know, that's uh, that's it.
1: <laughs> like, I bet yeah, I yeah. That. yeah. 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 <laughs> well, ironically enough, they,
0: they took down the largest police accountability
1: conversation on yes. the Internet, which yes. was our police, the police page exactly. back in 2018. So okay. this was two years prior for them, you know, yes. white knighting for the yes. Black Lives Matter movement. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, no, they don't care about that. They don't care okay, about libertari- libertarian flavored police accountability or, oh. or any of that. Oh, it has
0: to be their flavor of police accountability. Yes, that's right.
1: That's, it sure seems right. that way. Yeah, 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 You know, I don't, this, that's obviously speculation, but it sure seems that <laughs> way. Sure it sure that way. seems <laughs> like if, if you're not, you know, dark skinned and, you know, ranting and, and raving yeah. for BLM, then yeah. you're not an official. Yeah. Uh, police accountability activist. And, you know, I'm obviously the furthest thing from a racist. Like, I don't really true. care about any of that stuff. But that seems to be true. There seems to yeah. be some truth there. And unfortunately, yeah. on the broad spectrum, you can't really even be a, a well-known, legitimate police accountability activist if you're a white guy with glasses like me. Totally. You know? totally. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. It, it's kind of this weird conundrum, but I'm not yeah. even worried about all that. Sure, but, sure, sure back to the the meta verified yes. thing so yeah they're charging 14.99 so it's a bit bit more than you know Twitter's blue check mark but the thing that they're kind of hyping up about it is they're giving us a few other advantages other than the blue check mark and one of those I'm, I'm bringing up the screenshot right now just so I get all the terminology correct but one of those things was impersonation so if you have like people who are impersonating you and there's a lot of that that yeah. happens on Instagram they'll actually go in and take those accounts down, which is surprising. I haven't tested the waters on that yet now, so I can't really give a, a yay or a nay. But the other thing that they're suggesting, and of course the screenshot isn't coming up right now, but is, uh, okay, here it goes direct support and that's actually the part that interested me to, interested me to the most so they say that you you pay this 14.99 and you actually get direct support because as you and i both know anytime you're trying to deal with facebook or meta or any of these big tech platforms it's like pulling teeth because you can never actually talk to a real human being mm. and if you get one of these bs fact check strikes and violations then guess what you try to appeal it and it just goes into the ether and you never hear anything ever again about it so now they're saying, well, hey, if you pay us $14.99 a month, you get this blue check mark and you also get direct support, which basically means to them you get help when you need it from a real person on issues that matter that matter to you. Hmm. That's exactly what the advertisement says. Okay. So that was the reason why I got this meta verification. And I've sent at least 15 messages to them now, trying to get them to reevaluate a few of these violations and strikes that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's a no-go. And it's like every time I I try to bring this up with them, they just give me some copy-pasted answer response back about the terms of service and the community standards. So to me, once again, it's just another bait and switch by Facebook. They're trying to figure out how to save the sinking ship. And uh, I would highly suggest that people don't give them 15 bucks for this blue check mark. And in fact, next month, I'll probably be pulling it because if they're not going to actually help me reevaluate some of these BS strikes that I've gotten through, you know, as you know, this whole fact checking industry, which Matt Taibbi did a great yeah. job in his expose with the Twitter files, you know, talking about the, the censorship industrial complex, which is very much alive and well. And there's so many problems with the, the nuance, the way that the AI and the algorithms interpret the, any type of uh, jokes or humor there's just so many problems with the fact checking system in general that I thought, Hey, maybe just maybe fingers crossed, you know, that these people will have enough integrity to help me resolve some of these strikes. And unfortunately that wasn't the case. So that's whole, that's Facebook's new stick. And I, I don't really think uh, it's going to be beneficial to us whatsoever. Uh, but I, I really don't feel like on the bro- the broader spectrum <clears throat> Really much has changed on Twitter, ironically enough, because as I said, there's been this ripple effect throughout social media, but ironically enough, Twitter is still censoring people. In fact, I don't know if you happen to see just a couple of weeks ago, there was a flyer floating around right after the the shooting in your hometown in in Tennessee. Which was the trans day of vengeance. Yep. I remember all about that. Yeah. We
0: were like, oh geez, what the hell is going on?
1: Right. So if you happen to share that flyer on Twitter, even if you're just warning about it or just trying to expose it and make people aware, you got a ban. You got it, whether it be, you know, a 12 hour, 24 hour, depending on how many violations you had on the past in the past. So I'm seeing that. I'm seeing Twitter still having accounts that are, are being banned for ridiculous, arbitrary things. In fact, three of our old accounts that got taken down during the Facebook purge uh, by Twitter on that same day are, are still down. My Police the Police account, the the Facebook, or excuse me, the the Free Thought Project account and the Ed the Drug War account. We had all three of those accounts taken down on the same day. None of those have been restored. And I know that's a bit of a personal antidote, so it's not really like an argument against Twitter, but there's been a bunch of things. You know, For somebody who calls themselves a free speech absolutist, Elon showed us over and over again, and even within the first week after he had bought Twitter, that he's actually not a free speech absolutist. No, no. so I could mean, I could go on about that too, but uh, there's a lot of problems here.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. So really it's just a matter of just going back and just building out our own platforms, you know, I'm trying to navigate that myself, figure out what's the best strategy for that newsletters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just direct to email. And that's one of the things I like about Substack is it basically delivers the email directly to them, but if you can build outside of that. You know, another thing too, like do you have a recommendation for sending out newsletters because right now like when I first started for example, like with this show, right? I have an email list and I send out notifications about uh, when I go live, stuff like that. I use MailChimp, but I know MailChimp is not aligned with us. And I've heard stories of people getting kiboshed, you know, after, or, you know, once they realize what they're actually saying, MailChimp will deactivate the account, blah, blah, blah. And if you haven't captured your email list, then I don't know if that disappears or if you no longer have access to that or whatnot. But uh, do you have a recommendation for like an email blaster or anything like that? Unfortunately,
1: I don't. Yeah. Uh, we just took ours down. We just switched to a different uh, publishing agency, which okay. is yeah called Roundtable.io, okay. Okay. and there's a bunch of advantages to being over with them. So that was part of it. Was we were giving up our email list. Unfortunately, exactly. we hadn't done a lot to really sculpt and customize our emails, mm. um, and that's actually yeah that is actually one tip I'll give you. Yeah, don't. There's a bunch of algorithms and programs out there that will take your daily posts and put them into an email for you, but mm-hmm. it's basically what you expect it to be, right? Sure. It's bland, it's boring. it's it's robot speak. So people do not really resonate with it. They don't care about it. So if you can figure out a way to customize emails when you're taking when you're putting out your email list um, that's the best way to do it. Talk about a trending topic, talk about current news stories, draw people in in that way. Of course, personalize it in the sense, share a little bit about yourself. The more authentic you are, the more you're gonna build trust with your your users, your followers. Uh, So that's one thing to always keep in mind. But yeah, I would definitely suggest if you are gonna go the email route and from what I could tell, that's the most direct way, that's the best way to reach your followers. That should be something that people are constantly trying to build. But the more you could kind of customize and personalize the emails that you're sending out to people, the more that they're going to respond to them and, and resonate. Totally. In fact, there's a, a quite a few people. I mean, I know John Bush, mm-hmm. not sure if you're familiar with John oh, Bush's yeah. market and Derek oh, yeah. Rose, right? both oh, yeah. of those guys have really uh established a, a solid email networking list. And I know they're they're doing pretty well with their conferences and everything they've been yeah.
0: putting on. So that that is uh there's a lot of power there. Yeah, definitely. I was just talking to Derek earlier today, actually, and then like, yeah, John, I'm uh, definitely. I had him on a few couple months ago, but yeah, it's 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 really cool to see all the stuff they're doing, man. Like, it's just they're in the trenches. That's very very cool. Um, so let's yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say
1: just just remember the whole. uh, I don't know if you how much you've been paying attention to kind of the the Twitter wars going on right now, but Elon just recently, and here's another way how he's shaking things up and. He just recently put uh state affiliated media media with mm. PBS and NPR and stuff. And I don't know how you feel about that, man, but I think it's hilarious because I know people who were personally affected when Twitter started doing that with uh, the Russian state, you know, sanctioned media like Rachel Blevins. She's one of our former writers and uh, she works for RT now. And, you know, she got that and she was devastated, man, because Obviously, there's connotations attached to a label of that such, you know. So if you're going to be somebody who is basically a Russian propagandist, you might lose some followers and support from Americans mm-hmm. who maybe aren't quite privy to what's going on. So to me, that's quite hilarious that you know now Twitter and Elon is kind of taking things in a different direction and is starting to put the the state-sponsored, state-affiliated media on some of these, you know, more Mainstream news outlets, and they're having a fit. Like they're actually quitting Twitter. Uh, they're they're you know writing articles about it. I mean they're 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 not happy that they're being called government sponsored. But I mean essentially that's what they are, right? Like yep. th- there's no mincing of words. I mean you're publicly funded radio. Like yep. know, no, just, it,
0: it really is. It really is. And then on top-, top, oh go ahead, man. Sorry, I was just gonna say it on on top of that. I just looked it up to confirm too. Like the New York Times, right? They took their blue check mark and everything so now it's just a regular have you seen that yet yeah 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 Yeah, that's right
1: That was another one i I could have mentioned there but it's like nobody wants to be affiliated to the u.s government yet Mm. that's where they're getting money from and it's funny to me i made a tweet about this yesterday like how much this has changed because in like 2020 you know it was a bad word and taboo to be called a conspiracy theorist you know and nowadays like we're walking around with a freaking metal on our chest because you know we predicted almost everything correct during the pandemic mm-hmm. and now <laughs> these people who were once proud to be you know publicly funded government funded they're, they're trying to run for the hills and they don't want to, anything to you know do with that label and to be attached to that so to me it's just funny that how things have been switched all around here and maybe that's a
0: sign of the times maybe that's just shows that we're actually winning this info war yeah, totally, man. I—I I mean, I think that's a good, good sign in the right direction. At least it's like they, these people have lost all credibility, lost all authority, and they're just—they're just—I don't know how they're going to redeem themselves. And it's like it's good for our business. Like Jimmy Dore says all the time, it's like, hey, thank God they suck because it leaves the lane <laughs> wide open for us to just uh, come in and and do yeah. do the right thing. So absolutely it's really easy. Um, so actually I was hoping to maybe detour for a second here. So you mentioned a little bit ago about the end of the drug war. Is that, is that, I'm, I'm not familiar with that project, uh, that you're, uh, is that, is that an Instagram page? Is that like a project like police, the police, or you want to tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Sure, man. Yeah. That was a, a project that we started in like 2015, a couple of years okay. after police, the police, and it had a lot of momentum. In fact, you could probably still see some of the, memes that we made back in the day. And you can probably still find them in the wild just because a few of them really resonated and and were really powerful. And uh, I mean, it's just, as the name sounds, we were basically focused on, um, you know, ending the drug war, exposing it. Unfortunately, the drug war is one of these topics that people have just more or less been acclimated to. It, It feels like it's been normalized. It feels like it's something people have just accepted as how things are. And, there's so much harm, there's so much conflict, there's so many problems with uh, these drug laws, with prohibition, with the enforcement, uh, these no knock raids. I mean, we could go down the list and it causes so much damage to so many families. This is one aspect of law enforcement that I think it could be very easily removed from the nexus of public the, the public sphere, and nobody would miss it. you know, If anything, it's become a racket. For law enforcement to, uh, you know, through various means to, uh, you know, harass people through gang stalking, they do these no-knock raids, and oftentimes uh, we just saw it, uh, just a couple of days ago, in fact, just yesterday, Robert Dotson in Farmington, New Mexico, uh, police showed up at his door. Um, it was a domestic violence call. They were at the wrong house. Mm-hmm. He opened up the door, had a gun in his hand. Police saw the gun within a half a second. Several officers shot and killed him. And this is something that happens frequently, right? That's not even a drug raid, but this just speaks to the the susceptibility, I guess, of the problems of law enforcement. That the hair trigger response, unfortunately, a lot of times that we see um, the lethal force that is oftentimes the first, you know, that's their first response. Um, so the end the drug war page was more or less trying to really focus on that. You know, I mean, the police, the police stuff does that too, but we were so adamant about ending the drug war that we even started to plan a huge end the drug war protest. Unfortunately, it never got any legs. We, and uh, by the time, you know, we kind of had to hit the moment where we were going to make or break it, it, broke. We didn't have enough support. We didn't have enough momentum behind it. But that was one of the the big projects that the Free Thought Project and Police the Police were trying to mount back in those days when we actually had some substantial reach. Um but yeah man, that's something that's still very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And uh it's it's one of those things that we could very easily remove from society. And uh, I don't think anybody would honestly miss it. I mean prohibition has been a disaster it was a disaster back in alcohol prohibition. It's been a disaster through gun prohibition and through drug prohibition. And it just needs to be over. It it
0: needs to end. Yeah, man. I mean, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart as well. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, a person in recovery. I'm, you know, I've got six and a half years clean and sober. You know, I was on the front lines of a lot of crazy shit when I was out using. And then I kind of, for several years, dedicated my life to uh, being a drug and alcohol counselor. And I was like really involved with helping get people clean and being involved like front lines of, uh, you know, seeing what the, the effects of, you know, these just, just drugs in general. Yes. But then, you know, the drug laws, it's a very, very interesting topic because, um, yes, I feel like throwing people in prison and all that stuff. Like, it's just like, it just, it, it creates, I think for the most part, it probably ex- you know, exacerbates the situation. You know, I was the type of addict who got arrested because I was committing crimes to support my drug habit. And I, Went to prison. I ended up going to prison for like a bunch of like retail theft cases. And I was in there for 14 months and I was like, okay, I need to stop living like this. And so that's when I made the final decision to get clean. And I've been clean ever since and very, very involved in recovery. So it's like the, the, the drug laws caught up to me and I was like, okay, yeah. But at the same time, having been in prison and got to meet those guys and meet so many people in there, it's like, you know, 95% of the people in there are there because of drugs. That's it. Heroin and death yep. specifically. Right. You know, I, yeah.
1: I would suggest that your story is, is yeah. pretty rare too. Yeah. You know, you yep. had the, exactly. the peace of mind to yep. actually be like, This isn't for me. I do yep. not belong here. Yep. I need to make a lifestyle change. But a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have that mentality, yep. they don't have the strength to do that, nor they have the resources that surround them, you exactly. know, to, to tap into it and have that support network. So yeah that's one of the many reasons why we could do much better than just yes. putting people in a cage you know yep. for an arbitrary amount of a uh, plant matter in your pocket and, and totally. some states obviously you know totally. And, uh, mostly most states now thankfully the uh cannabis has been you know legalized and, and some even decriminalized but yep. Uh, Even still, I'm for legalizing all substances, you know, and I I believe that we could do much better as a society. I know there's a knee jerk reaction, you know, kind of like a dog whistle when people hear that and they're like, what do you mean? Like even meth and, you know, all these (laughs) crazy spice and all these synthetic drugs and stuff. Well, you got to remember all these synthetic drugs wouldn't even exist if, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the legitimate forms uh, were being produced in a, a safe, controlled manner. And they were, people were able to use them in a safe, controlled manner. And more than that, just getting them in a place where they don't feel like they have to use mm-hmm. some of these hard drugs. And don't get me wrong, like I'm all for people having a beer or having some cannabis or totally. whatever, whatever. Maybe, maybe even like the recreational bump of cocaine once in a while. But there's underlying issues why yeah. people are become addicts, you know. And I, I don't think putting them in a cage really addresses that.
0: Totally, totally. I, I firmly believe in needing a much more like rounded, holistic approach to it, you know, like all kinds of stuff. But um, you know, it's just unfortunately, I mean, you probably know this better than anybody and probably most people listening understand the 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 industrial complexes that have been built around the drug laws, right? Like they need to have the drug laws in place to create a black market, you know, so that for one, the government can exploit it, but they're you know I mean it's the CIA is like the biggest drug pushers there is, man. Like historically, you know what I mean? And then, like, of course, you have the prison industrial complex, you have all these different industries that would collapse. Uh, with if there if drugs all of a sudden did become decriminalized and there wasn't that market for it, you know. It's don't so forget, shocking. we're yeah, yeah,
1: we're subsidizing the Mexican cartels too. Yeah. You know, I mean yeah. they wouldn't exist. I yep. mean, maybe they'd find something else that was illegal to kind of thrive yep. off the black market from. But I mean, the drugs is the biggest by far. And yep. you know, if you think that you know we could ban guns i mean just look what how ineffective banning drugs have been i mean i just mm-hmm. saw a story a couple days ago about drones flying into prisons and dropping off drugs i totally. mean if they can't keep drugs out of prisons how are we going to keep drugs out of society how are we going to keep guns out of society you know so this mentality of banning everything that we don't like and prohibition it, it's just it's elementary level type of thinking it's for yes. low effort thinkers and unfortunately most of the people that glom on to those type of, you know, uh, euphemisms and, um, you know, a lot of the the promises that government makes to us. Unfortunately, a lot of times they don't want to dig deeper. So they seem like almost rational solutions, you know, let's just have cops kick down people's doors at, at three in the morning and yeah. maybe someone will get shot. Maybe they won't, you know, but at least there'll be a little bit less marijuana in the world.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I can speak firsthand. Like drugs are rampant on, on the inside, you know, in, in prisons. And so it's like, you know, yes, if they can't keep it out of there, like how could you possibly expect to keep it out of a regular, you know, just normal society? It's just, it's crazy, man. And I, so when I was living in Oregon, so as you know, Oregon decriminalized all drugs, right? So right. they, they uh reduced it so that now so this is the last I so I want to get your thoughts on this specifically so like I know one of the major case studies that they refer to is like Portugal for example like Portugal Mm -hmm. or the Netherlands where you know they had this in Portugal specifically there was like this massive wave of HIV people just having HIV issues and all this stuff from like you know uh, needle drugs you know from IV intravenous drugs so what they did is they decriminalized all drugs and they handled it as a social issue and they created all these uh, places for you know people to go and actually get safe, clean heroin and, and inject it in, in, in like a controlled environment. And what they did is they like gave them like, uh, jobs and like housing and gave them like more purpose, you know what I mean? And so, sure, but that's like a big government program. So to me, it's like, okay, so as a community, as a society, as like in a more libertarian type philosophy, philosophical approach to this, how do we decriminalize and provide the support that we need, but still, you know not create like big government out of it, you know? Sure. Thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. 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 That's a tough one, man. I mean, you know, because uh, if we're going to talk about this, there's two playing fields, right? It's like, okay, we're talking about the current system, the current structure, and then libertarian ideals, or we're talking like libertarian utopia, libertarian structure, and the current situation, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Right now, I mean, if we look at how much money has even been sent to Ukraine, for instance, which is 127.5 billion, by my counts, and I'm one of the only people that I know of have really been keeping like close track. Imagine how much of that money it would take to, yeah, provide uh, federally to each state some type of clean use uh, places, programs, you know, places where uh, drug users could find. That safe fix. They could be monitored. Uh, And then, as you said, which is the most important part, uh, incorporated into some type of program that gives them purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most important things. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not for federal government spending on anything, but if we're going to be just throwing money away to foreign countries and proxy wars, then hey, like maybe we should invest some of that into our own infrastructure, our own people, right? Like that should be a no brainer. So to me, that side of the, that element of the debate is, is pretty much like there, there's no argument there because sure. we have the money to allocate to
0: it. Totally. But that's a good a way liber- to put it.
1: Sure. In a libertarian society, man, I mean, we also have to remember if this is a pure libertarian utopia where government and the state doesn't exist. You got to think about how much of our own money we get to keep mm-hmm. and we're not allocating out or I should say we're not having extracted from us through taxes. And if you look right now at donations and charity, you look at the past 20 years, you'll see an upward ramp of people continuing to donate to charities. And this is through some, you know, very tough times, economic uncertainty, yeah. inflation's 40 year high, uh, gas prices, you know, record levels, but people yet still find a way in their heart to muster up a few bucks for charity and donate. That speaks volumes to me because if they have that money now, imagine if they were going to have that much more money that isn't being extracted from them through taxation. Imagine how much more people would voluntarily donate to some of these programs. So that's one element of it. The second element is most of these government programs, most programs in general, people think of as being government's responsibility. Once we do away with that mentality and that belief system, imagine how many more of these organizations privately run, privately funded are going to be popping up to take over some of these elements and quote you know jobs that the government does. To me, that's one of the most important things that we could probably recognize when it comes to this because there's a whole area that could be profitable Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And I know we're talking about donations and charity here, but incentive is the backbone of the economy. Totally. If people have incentive to provide these services to the homeless, to drug addicts, and if this means that there's going to be less of them on our streets, I would personally donate. I'd personally give money to this charity, especially if there was some type of let's say HOA or some type of community organization that actually pitched it to me and marketed this donation directly to me. Hey, like we're doing X, Y, and Z. We've taken, you know, 300 drug addicts off the streets in the past three months with just $20 more, we could do this and we could help out this many more people. To me, that's Mm -hmm. a no brainer. I would voluntarily contribute to that in a heartbeat. But instead right now, we've been under the illusion that the government is supposed to take care of these things. The government's supposed to be the one that helps the homeless people. Unfortunately, most of the time the government makes the situations worse yet. We're believing that our tax dollars that are extracted from us are going to go towards these programs. And we know that they're never going to be efficiently allocated through government. So
0: exactly, exactly. And I think that's such a much more effective model. Like I was just driving around with a friend here in Nashville. One of the things about Nashville I've noticed, because I've only been here about a year coming up on a year, you know, Like the roads here are so bad, dude. I didn't even know the concept of bad roads. Like, I guess I was spoiled out in Oregon, but oh my God, there's like just regular city streets. You're just like Like hitting the potholes everywhere. It's just like it's brutal. And it's like, of course, you're paying taxes. And like the argument, the classic like anti libertarian argument is well, who's going to pave the roads? Right. And it's like, Well, I'll tell you what, the government's not doing that here. I'll tell you that much, right? And so that was the conversation. I'm like, imagine, well, there's 700,000 people here in the Nashville area. It's like, imagine if each one of us just gave Bob 20 bucks a year. That's like $14 million. It's like, hey, Bob, go fix the roads, bro. Like, he'd be like, I'm on it and it would be done, you know? <laughs> <It's
1: Sure>. like... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've seen that meme. You know, if you have a bunch of pothole, potholes in your area, you just got to spray paint little dicks around them, and eventually <laughs> uh, the city will come out and fix them because they don't like that too much. But... Yeah,
0: well, okay, okay. Yeah, they'll They'll at least erase the spray paint, but they're not going to do nothing about the potholes. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea, though. That's a good idea, though. Sometimes so, you got to take on the guerrilla tactics to get shit okay, done. Okay, okay, okay. I love that, man. All right. So, uh, so what's the, what's the state of the free, uh, free thought project these days? Like what, what's the, what's an update on that? What are you guys working on these days?
1: Well, uh, as I mentioned, the book is, uh, in its final stages. Okay. So that that's been a work in progress, man. You'd be yeah. surprised how much, uh, goes into yeah. writing a book, especially children's book, because yeah. it's not just text, right? Like we're also including illustrations. And this was our first time. So it, it was a bit of a learning curve. Let's just put it that way. And yeah. if this one does well, which you know, I hope you guys buy it. I hope everybody yeah. picks, up a, picks up a copy. But if it does well, we're planning on, as I said, doing a few more. And hopefully at that point, the, the learning curve will be a little easier. There's not going to be so many difficulties. But mm-hmm. honestly, right now, man, we're basically just focused on creating new revenue streams. A big part of that is our podcast because the okay. podcast is uh, our Right now, one of our like most effective expressions through social media, because unfortunately, all other routes have been censored. Uh, anytime we put out an article on Facebook, uh, they immediately recognize our URL. They get de- they get throttled. Uh, same thing goes huh. for our memes. The the machine learning, the AI through Facebook or any of these big tech. Um, they've gotten really good, you know? So if they see our URL, they see our logo, unfortunately uh, they get hit pretty hard. So we don't have much reach anymore, but we do have pretty good reach with our podcasts. And as I said, we've been having a lot of great guests on. I mean, you know, there's Spike Cohen right there. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had, we've had so many over the past few years that um, that feels like it's our main source right now of information exchange. So We've been really focused on that and just trying to make it as powerful as we can, you know, um, really trying to get on good guests, really trying to stay focused on current topics and get people's take on the current topics. And a lot of times I think that provides the listeners with the ammunition that they need Mm -hmm. to kind of have a a little bit more of a well-rounded worldview about some of these topics, because otherwise, you know, we're just kind of Walking in the dark, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of these things are going on so quickly. Uh, a lot of these news topics, I mean, you know, it was just a shooting a few days ago, uh, talking about the Discord leaks uh, two days ago. And now we're moving on to, uh, you know, more stuff. I mean, the news cycle is always changing, but people are always going to be talking about the, the trending topics. So if we can interject some type of libertarian theory, values, uh, belief systems into the equation, that people will also be sharing with their friends and families then we're also representing our beliefs um when it comes to just these everyday conversations with our Mm -hmm. friends and family you know so yeah sometimes it has to be on that level you know if if we're if they're throttling us to the point where we can't reach big numbers then we kind of have to direct it to you know our their smaller audiences and a lot of times um that's that's our friends and family and so, yeah, man, um, yeah, that's been kind of the focuses lately. And those things enough are certainly enough to keep me busy. I'm yeah. also one who keeps up with the the trending news, the, the news cycle. I try to put out content pretty frequently uh, across the board on all of our accounts. And I'm personally stepping more in front of the camera because cool. uh, one thing that I learned, yeah, is that, you know, it's one thing to be a, a pretty well-known organization. But if you don't have this, if people yeah. don't know who this is, they don't connect with you as much they're not as apt to support you uh, financially and help you out in other ways so the more as i said before you could personalize things more authentic you could be you know authenticity repeated over and over again builds trust with your audience so uh that's that's the focus right now man
0: good 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 good. so uh you guys just uh, check out the freethoughtproject.com make sure you get the the in the beginning the freethoughtproject.com so it's a great news source news information you know one guy that i always hear quoting you is uh david knight the david knight show he's always uh, like yeah, yeah I don't, he's always like almost like all the time he's like oh yeah the free thought project and today on the free thought project he's always quoting your guys's work which is really cool um but uh so what what's on just as we got a few more minutes here we're like what's kind of yeah. on the forefront of uh current events that you're looking at right now um i know there's so much going on around like the bank discussion financial collapse shootings like what do what you kind of what's got your attention the most like today
1: um, I've been paying attention to the restrict act quite a bit. Okay, yep. Yep. Yeah. That, that one seemed to be quite worrisome. Um, the de-dollarization, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the global economy, um, that really isn't being talked about a lot. And a lot of this stuff, I feel like people are, are maybe kind of don't take it as seriously as they should, but the de-dollarization, um, you know, the dollar is the reserve currency of of the world economy, yeah. and it's starting to slip. It, it feels like um, a lot of countries are starting to kind of move away from it, and we're even seeing a lot of change going on right now with uh, China becoming more of a power player. In fact, they just brokered a peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which is pretty freaking monumental, you know. And here, yeah. here's the U.S. Uh, still continuing to fund and fuel a proxy war with, mm-hmm. with Russia and Ukraine, you know, so in some ways, it feels like our dynamics within the global hierarchy is, is starting to change. And I don't really think there's a lot of people paying attention to that right now. Because if the demand for the the dollar, the reserve dollar goes down, it's going to change a lot of things. I mean, it's going to change. I'm not going to say that we're going to be living in poverty and all, you know, overnight, it's not going to be some apocalypse apocalyptic event, but there will be effects. They're certainly going to change the standard of living in the country. It's certainly going to skyrocket inflation. So this presents a problem. And unfortunately, right now, the US isn't really acknowledging it or they're just not talking about it. I don't know which one, but it seems like Biden's kind of has his head in the sand when it comes to this. And uh, in a way, I guess maybe that's easier to kind of continue your sense of arrogance as being kind of, uh, this paramount player within the the global economy, you know, but unfortunately, man, like if this isn't something that we address soon, there's going to be some serious effects, you know, some serious, uh, consequences. So, mm-hmm. but I also mentioned the discord leak, you know, that mm-hmm. seems like something that's relevant only because I don't trust it. I don't trust the narrative. Yep, yep. And it seems highly coincidental that this is right on the heels of, you know, the Senate. Uh, I guess Congress still needs to vote on it as well. But um, you know, the, the restrict act, that's something that I'm sure you've heard a lot about. Yep, yep, yep. Um and this is something that's being billed as a TikTok ban, but there's a lot more consequences, a lot more um God, I guess you could say ominous qualities to it, which don't bode well for our freedom of speech and just for our Internet
0: use in general. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you think that there's any hope of that actually becoming law? I mean, are we seeing any signs that that's there? I mean, I've heard that it's like, you know, both parties, these these hacks and both parties are supporting it, helping push it through. Like to me, it just seems like, no, that just can't be possible. But, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we kind of thought the same thing about the Patriot Act, sure. you know, and yeah. unfortunately they they rammed that through. So I don't, there has been a lot of pushback and I, mm-hmm. I feel like we can't really lay off the gas right now. You know, like we got to keep staying on the gas here because the more we make noise about this, the more that they're going to realize it's something that the people don't want. Mm-hmm. I've been continuing to try to, to talk about it as much as I can, but okay. I mean, there's even a, a chance that, you know, the bill is written so open-endedly, you know, that there's even a chance that it could block some cryptocurrency, Mm. uh, some exchanges. Um, So that to me is is kind of the biggest problem with this is that, as you know, CBDCs are coming, right? I mean, we're still in the beginning stages of CBDCs, but cryptocurrencies are a decentralized solution to that. So if the restrict act does have this open-ended language that does restrict uses of, you know, decentralized cryptocurrency platforms and exchanges, then that's going to be another one up level up for them in the bigger playing field of control, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and uh, that's something that we need to all be really mindful of. And also it just gives uh POTUS, you know, Biden, the Biden administration, and also the secretary of commerce, all these crazy new, uh, I mean, basically, they they get to come up with their own laws, their own rules, their own boundaries, their own definitions. I mean, it's this kind of unheard of expansion of uh, new powers. So it's something that we certainly want to kind of keep the, the pressure on and keep trying to reject and speak out about it as much as we can.
0: Totally. All right, cool. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I have one more question for you. So are you hopeful? What are your hopes? Like I, I, the way I see it, it's like, even if we, if we if we do enter into some sort of like collapse period or something like that, you know, if we are taking the time to like build our like skills, resources, community, stuff like that, like, then we can, we can withstand, you know what I mean? And so to me, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. I'm like, you know, fine, sure. bring it on. What, what are your thoughts around that?
1: Um, I don't know if it's easy as that. I think yeah. people like us, who might be more apt to being collapsitarians probably understand that through the the rubble, there will be like a Phoenix emerging, which most likely kind of like the current state of cryptocurrency will take a while before they start trying to control it. And that's if the federal government survives too, right? Which I don't see it going anywhere at this point, but there, yeah, there is hope. And I think the last three years, What we've seen through the COVID response is the silver lining here is that people recognized that, hey, like this authoritarianism that's on overdrive, like this isn't just happening in Russia and China, some of these third world countries, like it can happen here at home. And it is happening here at home. So I need to kind of take the certain precautions to level up my own skills, my own understanding. And we've seen a lot of people do that. In fact, you know, you were just talking about David Knight. And I love that he still talks about us, gives us praise and and refers to our, our articles. But in a lot of ways, like where the Free Thought Project once was in the alt media sphere, as far as our hierarchy, like we're like down here now where a lot of the health freedom movement people who really had a lot of momentum over the past three years made a name for themselves, like they're kind of skyrocketing in this whole, I guess, movement or scene or whatever you want to call it. And the same thing could maybe be said about some of the MAGA folk, you know, when Trump came around all of a sudden there was all these new influencers and organizations. And so, you know, some of the OGs and veterans like myself were kind of like down at the bottom of the totem pole again, just because there's all these new emerging, you know, influencers and which is exactly what we want, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is not something I, I mean, you might hear me say this and think I'm like talking down on it or something. In fact, I'm actually pretty happy about it because this is what, our work has always been focused and geared towards is trying to plant seeds for people to grow their own tree of knowledge and to do something with it, to empower other people to share the information. And so in many ways, although I might not align ideologically with all these people and all their beliefs, they're skyrocketing, they're taking off, they're having success, they're making money, they've stepped into their new career as being influencers for freedom. So I'm okay with that. And I think, uh, you know, that's going to continue to happen more and more as they continue to put more and more pressure on us and they're in their last death throes right now mm-hmm. right like this is the end of an empire and we're witnessing it and that's why you know we see this heavy-handed fact checking these fact checking industries they're trying everything that they can to remain in control of information and of the narrative but even though they have trillions of dollars even though that they have you know tanks and and all the well we have a lot of guns too but they have (laughs) the jets they have the missiles uh, they have the the cia psyops and all these other ways of information uh control we're still winning and we're Mm -hmm. winning with
0: memes i was just gonna say they could bring all the the heavy but you know armory and everything trillions spend trillions of dollars on these campaigns and all it takes is one little meme from the free thought project and it dismantles the whole thing (laughs) right and if i could quote
1: ron paul you know You can't stop an idea that's time has come, you know. Yep. And uh that's exactly what's happening. And the more that they try, the more the bar the Streisand effect mm-hmm. comes into play, you know. And so we're we're gonna win this. It's yep. just a matter of time. Yep. It's gonna be a rocky road. There's gonna yep. be some parts that are gonna be unpleasant and uncomfortable. And especially, yeah, if the dollar does crash, there's gonna be a lot of uncertainty and instability there for a period of time, but once the dust does settle, we're going to see parallel parallel economies. We're going to see um, agorism to its full extent. You know, there's not going to be, have to be a gray or black market anymore because these industries are going to be able to thrive. We're going to see prosperity like we probably have never seen before, probably close to what we saw during World War II after World War II, when, mm-hmm. you know, government was nearing its one of its smallest points, you know, I mean, obviously, throughout history. That's yeah. maybe not quite accurate, but I mean, in the forties and fifties, you know, there was a, not a lot of regulation. There was more prosperity. There was more economic freedom. So if anything, we're going to see uh, a revitalization of the economy. And if the government like usual gets out of the way, then
0: we could be free and we could be prosperous. That's awesome. All right, sweet. Well, Jason, Great note to leave it on right there. Thank you so much. Uh, Please let all the people know where they can follow and support you.
1: Sure, brother. That sounds good, man. Thank you so much. So, of course, the freethoughtproject.com. That's kind of the hub. As uh, Scott said, we put out usually about three articles a day. um, And we're on, I think, 15 different social media platforms, as I mentioned earlier. So, if you go to any of the social media platforms, type us in in the search bar. Unfortunately, reluctantly, I'm still on Facebook. Because I have to be. But um, yeah, and then me personally, my work, I've also branched out. Uh, you can find me on Minds, MeWe, um, Gab, uh, Getter, Sovereign, um, Twitter, Jason JasonBassler1, uh, Instagram, Jason.e.Bassler. And the one last thing I'll say is definitely check out our podcast, guys. I do feel like, unfortunately, people are sleeping on our podcast. Now, we do have some listeners, but like I want to be up there. I want to be at the top of the the Spotify, Apple podcast list, guys. So check it out. It's at the top of our our, uh, free thought project site at a tab up there, the podcast tab. And um, if you find any value in what we do,
0: uh, please donate as well or subscribe. That's it. And then, yeah, you guys, I can't recommend the podcast highly enough. So just go search wherever you listen to podcasts, the free thought project podcast and you're, you're in. So, all right, Jason, thank you. We did it. Yes. Finally. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. Keep all the amazing work. You know, you've inspired a lot of the work that I do and uh, you know, and just countless others out there. So keep it up and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks man. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. All right.